Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. And Margaret is a classic triple threat. An old school, died in the wool entertainer with a capital E. She sings, she dances, she acts, and she's legendarily beautiful besides. And maybe most remarkable of all, she has been a star for 60 years. A genuine legend. And margaret started singing around the age of eight at birthday parties and family get-togethers. She started singing for money at 16, performing with a band that toured around the Midwest. She was still a teenager when she got discovered by George Burns. Yes, George Burns. He put her into his Vegas act. She got a record deal, then a movie deal. The rest is history. And margaret has appeared in over 50 films, released more than a dozen albums. She starred in movies and musicals alongside Elvis Presley, Dick Van Dyke, and Queen Latifah. She has five Golden Globe Awards, a Screen Actors Guild Award, and six Emmys to go with her two Oscar nominations. And margaret is now in her 80s. And even at this stage in her life, she still finds joy in singing and moving. She just released a new album in April. It's called Born to be Wild. It's her first new record in over a decade. It's a collection of brand new recordings of Anne Margaret's favorite rock and roll songs. Earth Angel, Rock Around the Clock, even Splish Splash. It features vocals from a bunch of Anne Margaret's friends, Mickey Gilly, Aerosmith's Joe Perry, and this one, a cover of Bye Bye Love by the Everly Brothers that features her old pal, Pete Townsend. Someone new He sure looks happy I sure am blue He was my baby Till she stopped And Margaret, welcome to Bullseye. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Let's let's talk about this record. Yeah. How many of these songs are songs that you remember from before you were a show business pro? Songs that Songs like Rock Around the Clock that came out when you were a kid and a teenager. I remember when I first heard that, I was uh, at a roller rink with some friends, and I just, I loved it. All of these songs are ones that I have chosen. What was it like to hear that song in a sea of, I guess, you know, mostly else at the roller rink, it was like, how much is that doggy in the window or something? Mares eat oats. I, I, these are songs that I was drawn to. (laughs) 
You're showing me the moves, too. <laughs> Wait. There it is. And the hat that your mother knit you is, yeah, really, is yeah. really putting in the moves. Yes. What's it like to sing now as a, let's say, a mature adult? How's the experience different? It's still joyful for me. And moving is <laughs> joyful. Uh, I still have that... Um, a spirit in me that uh, I love music, and it does make me happy, and it makes me move. Oh, yes. Can I ask you about this house that we're in? I like in preparing for this interview. I read a bunch of profiles about you, some of which were, you know, thirty, and I read one from the eighties. And they all start with describing this house. And I thought, like, Anne Margaret must love to be on home territory, you know? Like, there's that celebrity profile cliche of describing the thing that someone's eating at a hotel restaurant. And that's because at a hotel, a hotel restaurant's usually where people meet someone that they're celebrity profiling. And they were all here. All the ones that I read were here. Yes. Why, yeah. why is that? Because I feel the most comfortable here. Let's see. Roger and I bought this house in 1968. And uh, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall used to live here. Um, we didn't know any <clears throat> of this when, when we bought it. We just felt <laughs> we had been uh, searching for our homes. And this was about, I don't know, the third one. And I just screamed. I, Honey, look at this. There's lemon trees. Come down here, down the driveway. Oh, it was just everything. And then, um, that was 1968, and here we are. Still here. You were like five or so when you moved to the States, right? Six, yeah. It must have been a monumental change. Well, Mother and I were living in a place called Valshabine, which at that point had, I think, 162 people, and now there are 98. Yes, big change. And then... Um, 62 people heard you and your mom were leaving, and... right. And your dad had already moved out. Well, it was during World War II, and uh, Daddy didn't, didn't want us to to cross the ocean because it was just too too dangerous. I don't know. And my, my daddy had a a lot of spirit, and he was not afraid of anything. Yet. When he went, he first went to Canada, and uh, I don't I don't know. He had so much. Strength. Wasn't afraid of anything. Must have been scary for you, though. Yes. Yes. What was it like? I remember the night before we left. Well, actually, it was pitch black. Uh, it was so early. And my friends... We're all standing in a row. Uh, there was a 
like seven or eight of them. And uh, we all said goodbye. And of course, we didn't know what was going to happen. But we were, we were ready for anything. How'd you get here? We went to, um, okay, we first went to um, Yetebori, which is Gothenburg. And we got on this huge ship called the Gripsholm, which is no longer. Then um, we arrived in, in New, York, New York City. And of course, I was astounded by the Statue of Liberty. She was light green. And then there was Daddy on the dock. And it was in December, and uh, he had this jacket, and, and he had a coat over that, and a fedora, and a big smile. Mother, of course, had pictures of Daddy, and uh, so I knew it was him when he uh, was there smiling and waving, and uh, I thought, oh, that's Daddy. Uh, he was so handsome and so well-dressed and uh, and happy to see us. <laughs> so... It was a great day. Did you go from there to Illinois where you grew up? Yes. Um, we went by car. Uh, Daddy loved to drive. And I got his thing about that. I love to drive. And we met, oh my goodness, all the relatives. And uh, it was great happiness. Joyful experience. We have so much more to get into. Stay with us. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. This is Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. I'm talking with Anne Margaret. She's been the star of movies like Bye Bye Birdie, Carnal Knowledge, and Grumpy Old Men. You said you were a cheerleader growing up before we went on the air. Yes, uh, for three years. When, do you, when did you start dancing? When I was four. I was told, you know, in Sweden I started. Uh, I harmonized with my mother, and she would move around, and I would mimic her. I was always moving, whatever kind of music it was. When did you start performing? Well, they would get little on my grit. Uh, they would get me to uh, stand up and perform um, at birthday parties and at wedding receptions. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, are we talking about when you're eight and 10 years old? Yes. Yes. What was the first time you got paid to perform? Oh. Yes, when I was 16, I was singing with a band, the Danny Ferguson Band, in Kansas City, Missouri. 
Am I right? Because I know I know you've done your homework. If I say anything wrong, just stop me. <laughs> it was Kansas City, Kansas, ma'am. <laughs> you were singing with the Danny Ferguson band. Yes. How'd you get the gig? Uh, through an agent whose name was Hal Monroe. I believe he spelled it M-U-N-R-O. And uh, he got me gigs uh, in... Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Missouri. Were the band grown-ups? Yes. Was it weird? No, I was always, you know, I, I've worked with um, with musicians uh, all the time, and they were, they were always all different age groups. What did you learn about being a pro when you were... Working as a, you know, working the road as a 16-year-old or 17-year-old? Just being very aware that I was a 16-year-old woman who was uh, on, on the road with mostly men. Uh, perhaps there would be a couple of other women, maybe a harp or uh, whatever. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, because of my, my parents, uh, my mother and daddy, I knew that not everyone in the world was nice like, uh, you know, my parents and my relatives and uh, friends. So if anyone tried to get closer than that, then that was off limits. Did your parents want this career for you? <sighs> they wanted... They were very, very nervous about it, but they saw that that was the only thing I wanted. Uh, and of course, they wanted to be, me to be happy. Yes. Even though, of course, they knew, and believe me, I knew that I was going to get hurt a lot. My main concern was what it would do to Mother and Daddy. Uh, I remember planning a meeting with mother and daddy and me at the kitchen table. That's where all the ma major discussions were. You know, that I was going into show business and um, I would use all of the, the values that uh, they had taught me wherever and whenever. So they had faith in me. Daddy was a wonderful dancer. He, uh, he loved the tango, and of course all these Swedish uh, dancers, all the, the humble and the shottis. Uh, I remember all the ladies, oh, Gusta, oh, can I dance with you? It was really cute to see. Uh, Daddy and Mother just danced together great, just great. Uh, and of course I danced with him and yeah, we did the shottis and the humble, and uh, whatever he did, I did. Father and daughter. What did they think of jazz and rock and roll? They were really uh, open. They were open people. As long as it was done well. Yes. What did that mean? Well, 
you don't just try to do something. You do it with passion. And I did the jitterbug. (laughs) Was it scary when you got famous? Of course. Of course. I feel like one of the scariest things about being a public figure, you know, you were the most public kind of public figure, you know, you were a movie star, is that you have to deal with the fact that so many people know you who don't know you um, and that what you mean to them is like a tiny thing that is about them more than you. It's connected to something, you know, it's connected to your skill and talent, but it's not very representative of you as a human being. And like, I can only imagine what it would be like to deal with that when you're 23 years old. You know what I mean? Well, I can tell you that um, whatever mother and daddy taught me, that's what I had. And that's how I dealt with whatever came my way. They were so they were so happy, but also very uh, worried as parents. They didn't want me getting hurt. I mean, imagine they could see you getting hurt. You know, there's no doing this and not getting hurt. I see you know. I mean, I I can't claim to have been a movie star. (laughs) I'm inferring here, but yeah. No, you're judged in in anything in in show business. You are judged as uh, an interviewer and as I'm sure you do your writing. Um, Yeah, you're always judged. When things went sideways in the late 60s in your career. I mean, you kept working. You never stopped working. Did you have to think about like what you really wanted out of working in show business? There was a time where I was working so hard and uh, doing my shows on, on stage that I just, I was tired and, uh, I wanted to to quit. (laughs) Well, that lasted for six months. And then I started again. If you've got this passion, this this great passion of performing, you can't tear it out. You can't will it out. Um, It's always there. And here I am. I mean, there was a period where in in that time in your life when I read an interview where you said that you were drinking and using so much that when you were acting, you weren't always confident of the line between the acting and real life. Not using. I did, uh, for five years. I, uh, I drank alcohol. And finally, when it did not work for me anymore, it just didn't give me that wonderful champagne feeling. I just quit. It just was not working. And I'm blessed 
but it didn't work. Otherwise, I'm, I might still be out there. I kind of get the impression that you and your late husband came to each other's rescue. Yes. I knew on the third date that I would be married to him. And we were married for 50 years. What, what was the third date? I don't know if we had gone to a movie or whatever. It doesn't matter what the date was. I just, I knew that I'd be with him the rest of my life. Um, and we still now would be together, except he got extremely ill. We always laughed at ourselves. We laughed at ourselves before anybody else could. <laughs> he quit his own acting career to work for you. He never liked being an actor. Never um, liked being told where to stand, what to wear. He liked telling me what to wear. I was fine with that. Just fine. He sang too, right? Yes. Did the two of you ever sing together? Yes. Did the two of you sing around the house? Yes. Well, I did. <laughs> he was so used to hearing me sing all of and, um, it. And if I was putting a new song into the show, I kept singing it and singing it and singing it. He eventually, at one point started singing the song. <laughs> well, honey, I, I just, you sang it so much, I, I know all the uh, the lyrics. <laughs> yeah, we did everything together. The moment when I, when the thought of you as a show business pro crystallized in my mind as I was preparing for this was that Coming off of your Oscar nomination for Carnal Knowledge, which was 1971, I think, you put together a stage show. <laughs> like, you're like, what I am is an entertainer with like a capital E. Yes, I did. I put, put together a show and uh, tried to move on as it, that. Uh, Part of um, Bobby Templeton took a lot out of me. Of course, I had nightmares, and uh, and then um, I went in to do some of you know John Ehrman's things. I did six things with with, uh, with John, and uh, Who Will Love My Children was one, and Streetcar Named Desire was another one. And at one point, I think it was during Streetcar, John had to come into my trailer and say, which he never, ever, ever would have, he said, this is not you. This You are playing a part. Please don't forget that. But I did lose 14 pounds. <laughs> That's good. I don't know. It doesn't sound like the kind of losing 14 pounds that's bad, to be honest with you. <laughs> but when I fell, 
uh, I had that accident. And you you fell on off a stage platform in Lake Tahoe, you know, big sort of stage spectacular you were doing in the early seventies. Yes. And when I say fell, twenty some feet. Twenty two feet. Like very well could have died. But all through the years, when I think about it, my daddy had an accident. Uh, he was an electrician, um, local 40 in Chicago. And uh, he was on the second floor of a, a house that was being built. And he fell from the second floor onto cement. And um, this was in July or August in Chicago. And he was in the hospital uh, with broken pelvis and just everything. Oof. To realize that I had found the same kind of accident. Oh, my goodness. But I got over it, and so did my father. You gave the kind of nod of I got over it that I am not sure whether to be convinced by. (laughs) (laughs) No, I continued. And um, Daddy went back to work, and everything was fine. You fell literally on your face and had to have like much of your face reconstructed from the inside out. My left side. Yeah. As somebody who makes their business on screen, and especially makes their business on screen not insignificantly by, you know, being famously good looking, that that had to be such a terrifying thing that, you know, you had hurt the thing that let you make art for a living. You know what I mean? It's like a ball player hurts their wrist and they can't swing a bat. You know what I mean? When I woke up from it all, I think it took three days. I, um, I was just, I felt so blessed that I was alive that uh, I really have felt ever since then that um, I was saved because I, I needed to do more work in my life to help people and with things that I know about. And uh, I've always been aware of that. I've, I've helped people with their drinking, and uh, it, it's something that I know about. So I feel that that's what, one of the reasons I, I'm still here. We have so much still to come with Anne margaret Stay with us. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Oh my gosh, hi, it's me, Dave Holmes, host of the pop culture game show, Troubled Waters. On Troubled Waters, we play a whole host of games, like one where I describe a show using a limerick, and our guests have to figure out what it is. Let's do one right now. What show am I talking about? This podcast has game after game and brilliant guests who come play them. The host is named Dave. It could be your fave. So try it. Life won't be the same. Uh, a big business starring Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin. Close, but no. Oh, 
Is it Troubled Waters, the pop culture quiz show with all your favorite comedians? Yes, Troubled Waters is the answer to this question and all of my life's problems. Now, legally, we actually can't guarantee that, but you can find it on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with the legend Anne Margaret. When she lost her husband, Robert Smith, after 50 years of marriage, Anne Margaret did a bit of reflecting. She decided she was going to cherish every day and do the best she could. She's also trying new things. A few months ago, she released an album of rock and roll covers. It's called Born to be Wild. Let's get back into our conversation. I mentioned that your husband had quit his own career as a performer to work with and for you in your career. He'd never liked being an actor, ever. So the the two of you were kind of a team for a long time, but I gather that when his illness presented itself and he had a, a neurological muscular condition, um, that one of the ways that transformed your life was that you were put in the position of being responsible for him rather than the other way around. Gladly. Yes, I wanted to take care of him. And I was an able-bodied woman. I certainly could do that. I can only imagine the immense grief when he passed away. Did you have to think about, at some point, who you were if you weren't married to him, if he wasn't in the house, whether you were taking care of him or he was taking care of you? I, no, I. we were always together. I didn't think ever of us not being married. But we sure had a good 50 years, boy. By cracky. Do you feel different now as a as a single person who had this incredible, you know, you had this incredible relationship that in some ways defined your life. Right. But you also have a new and different part of your life right now. I mean, you just just made a rock and roll album, among other things. <laughs> oh, dear. I wake up each other morning. I'm very happy to wake up. And uh, I'm doing the best I can. And I'm having a good time. A very good time. And helping people. Do you have anything pinned to the wishboard now that you've crossed out rock and roll album? <laughs> Climb Mount Kilimanjaro or something? I don't know, but when it pops into my head, I will do it. Well, and Margaret, I, I really appreciate all this time. Um, thank you very much for inviting us over, and thanks for talking. Oh, thank you. How wonderful to have all of you here. And Margaret, what a joy. Uh, our thanks to her for inviting us to her home. Her new album is called Born to be Wild. 
Let's end things with the title track, a Steppenwolf cover. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is created from the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around greater Los Angeles, California. I bought a portable air conditioner, but it's a two-person job to install it. So it's just sort of sitting in front of my desk, and I have to climb over it to go in and out of my office. If anybody wants to come over and help me, just let me know. Our show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our senior producer is Kevin Ferguson. Our producers are Jesus Ambrosio and Richard Roby. Our production fellow at Maximum Fun is Brianna Paz. Our interstitial music is composed and provided to us by DJW, also known as Dan Wally. Dan and I went to see Hot Tub this week. Great Los Angeles comedy show. Had a great time. Sklar Brothers headlined. Two of the funniest dudes. Our theme song is by The Go Team. It's called Huddle Formation, thanks to them and to their label, Memphis Industries. Bullseye is also on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find us in all those places. Follow us. We will share with you all of our interviews. And I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. NPR.